Today, we're going to break down this phrase, God is holy. If you're taking notes, which I encourage you, if you're brand new to the mix, bring you a journal, bring your Bible, and bring a pen. And every week, we're going to take notes in what we're learning at the mix. If you don't have it this week, it's okay. You can write on the back of your piece of paper you might have had earlier with your characteristics of God, or you can write it in your phone if you need to. But I'm encouraging for the weeks going forward, bring a notebook, bring a pen, and bring your Bible. The first big thing we're going to see tonight is that God is holy. When you think about the term holy, you probably have a few different ideas in mind. Some of y'all might be thinking about Israel. And I have a picture up here real quick. I'll show you. This is the holy land of Israel. You've heard pastors say, we're doing a trip to the holy land. You probably heard them say that from stage, correct? You might be thinking about holy items or holy paintings or holy sacraments. That's what you see across a lot of the um, South American countries. You see a lot of holy pieces of artwork or holy pieces of artifacts in different churches and places. Or you might be thinking about Justin Bieber and the other people who did the song Holy. Holy cow. You might be thinking about beef for all I know, okay? But today I want to give you a clear understanding of what holy means. Holy means to be set apart. It means to be set apart, meaning it is, it is put to the side or it is different from the rest or it is unique. It is set apart from the rest. And so when I say that God is holy, which I get from the Bible, I'm saying God has been set apart from the rest. Let me give you an example I, y'all are going to be mad at me when I say this. I really am not a big fan of Coca-Cola. All right, I get it. I knew, I knew I was going to make somebody sad here. I'm not sure if this one's going to work, Jake. I feel like I might need a little bit of a, I'll hold it like this. So I have a variety of Cokes up here. And each one, if I bought a six pack, which I do in my cooler right here, I've got six packs of, cool, of Coca-Cola's up here in my cooler. Each one of them are pretty much the same. They're all the same. There's not much different about these Coca-Cola's. And if you've had a Coca-Cola, one Coke tastes the same as most of the next ones, unless you maybe are different about a can or maybe the bottle, that kind of thing. But I have a Coca-Cola that my mom and dad gave me a long time ago. And it is from 1982. Isn't that crazy? It's from 1982. And I'll tell you what's unique about this Coca-Cola. My mom and dad, when they were dating, went to Mud Island. And they hung out downtown with a bunch of friends, different things. And they bought a six-pack of Coca-Colas. And they drank a couple of them down there at Mud Island, but they kept a couple and took them home. So there's literally two Coca-Cola cans that are in my mom and dad's possession. They gave me one of them from 1982. And so this Coke can is not meant for drinking. If you were to look at the, if you were to look at the cooler of Cokes up there, this one is set apart from the rest. This Coke can is not meant for the same use is not used in the same purpose as this one would. 
this one's story is different. This one's character behind this Coke bottle is far different than this one here. And the meaning behind this Coke one has a far greater meaning than just a simple Coke that I bought from the gas station. I tell you that because we serve a God who is uniquely different than the rest. The creator is far different than his creation. God is holy. He is set apart. And tonight I want to convince you of this. When you come to see God as holy, it would change the way you live your life. So if you're taking notes today, I'm going to ask you a favor. The first thing to look at is if when we see God as holy, you will think of God differently. When you see God as holy, you will think of God differently. 1 Samuel 2 verse 2 says this, There is none holy like the Lord. For there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. And what Samuel, what you see in 1 Samuel is that this author is saying, my God is different from the rest. My God is unique compared to the rest. I want to take you to a spot, a story in Exodus chapter 34 Verses five through eight. What we see here is Moses is having a conversation up on top of a mountain with the Lord. And this is what it says. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with Moses as he called upon the name of the Lord. So Moses is crying out to the Lord and the Lord meets him there. And this is what it says in verse six. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children, on the grandchildren, to the third and fourth generations. In verse eight, Moses made haste to bow down low toward the earth and worship God, here's what happens in this moment. Moses has a face-to-face encounter with the Lord. And the Lord reveals to him the character of God. Have you ever had moments in your life where God revealed character of him to you? Like you're like, man, the Lord really is good. Or man, the Lord really is faithful. Or man, the Lord really, his ways really are full of truth and he is perfect. You can go back to moments Well, this is a moment for Moses where he comes to realize that God is uniquely different. And because of this, when we see in this moment, it changes the way that Moses thinks about the Lord. He says that the Lord is full of mercy. He's full of grace. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. He is faithful. He is forgiving. And here's the last one. He is a good judge. God is perfectly righteous and perfectly just all at the same time. Meaning that he can look at someone and say, I love you, I'm gonna show grace towards you, I'm gonna forgive you. But at the same time, he can look at someone who has a lot of sin in their life and say, I will have to punish this at the same time because he is a good judge. He is the only one who can perfectly balance love and righteousness with justness and faithfulness at the same time. 
And so what we see here is that there's a moment where we understand, we get to see how God is holy by looking at his character. I'm gonna ask if John, will you come back up here real quick, John, one more time? This is your second time tonight. You're like, what is happening? John, I'm gonna pretend, you come on down here, come on around here. Here's what happened. This is the umbrella. Can you not poke someone's eyes out with this? You okay with that? Okay. This is the umbrella of holiness. So when I say that God is holy, I'm saying there's an umbrella that covers the fact that he is holy. But under that umbrella is the character of God that sets him apart, starting with he is merciful. The next thing we see in this passage from Exodus 34, under the umbrella of holiness, come on this way, John, is that he is gracious. Not only is God merciful, but he's also gracious. And under the umbrella of the fact that he is holy, what they're saying is not only is God merciful and gracious, under this umbrella of holiness, he is also slow to anger. Meaning God is not going to be one who just immediately puffs up and is outraged and enraged. He is slow to anger and patient with us. When I say God is holy, what I mean is that he is full of steadfast love, showing love to multiple generations over and over again, even when we don't deserve it. Also under the umbrella of holiness, you see that God is faithful. Meaning that in what he does, everything he does, he is faithful to his name, his promises, and his character. And just as much as he is faithful, God is also holy in the fact that he is forgiving. And then the last two I'll put on here is that God is just and God is perfect. And so what I say, what I say whenever the Lord is holy, what I'm trying to tell you is that God is full of these different characteristics that set him apart from the rest of us. Under the umbrella of God's holiness is the fact that he is good and he is merciful and he is gracious and he is true and he is perfect. That's why I can say God is holy because he's different from the rest. Thank you so much, John. Good luck taking your sticky notes off. You did a great job. Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that the God of all creation that longs to have a relationship with you is the one who is holy and different, yet he loves you so much. The one who is set apart is the one who draws near to us. And because God is holy, we ought to think about him very, very differently. I tell you that because here's the deal. When you think of God as holy, you should think about all of these characteristics that define the Lord. You should think about the many ways that God is perfectly different than you and I. And just like the old hymn that I told you about earlier, you ought to be reminded each morning when you wake up, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The second thing we're gonna to see tonight is this. Not only when we see God as holy, we also, it should change the way that we approach God. When you see God as holy, you should approach God differently. When you see God as holy, you should approach him differently. What I mean by approach is mean how we interact with the Lord. 
And let me show you an interaction that I believe captures one of the best moments in Scripture of how someone's approach to the Lord looked different because they realized the holiness of God. Let me show you this in Isaiah chapter 6. It says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, this man named Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Isaiah sees this amazing moment with the Lord. It says, Seraphim, which are what Brother Steve talked about this past Sunday morning, about the angels. There's one of these seraphim angels that are stood above God, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. Pretty amazing. I don't see none of you guys doing that. So Isaiah's really living it up right now. And one called out to another and said, here it is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Let's pause there for a moment. Isaiah is in the throne room with the Lord. And these angels are just shouting in a unanimous song, holy, holy, holy. Three times showing that it is a perfect unity of this. It is a perfect moment. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. He is perfect. The whole earth is full of his glory. And this is what happens. Isaiah realizes who he's in front of while also realizing himself. He says, and the foundations of the the thresholds of the foundation of the building where they're at trembled at the voice of God who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. So the temple's shaking, the temple's filling with smoke. And then now you have Isaiah who says, woe is me for I am ruined. And this is Bible talk for holy moly. That's what he's trying to get to, all right? He's saying, I'm in big trouble right now. I'm in big trouble because the God who is perfect and holy and set apart, I am now face to face with, and I should not be here. Like, I am ruined. I'm about to die because I'm a man of sin, and I live amongst a people of sin. That's what he says right here. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah is rocked. This cat is scared right now because he's realizing I should not be here standing in front of God Almighty. He is holy and separated from me. And for me to be here is a problem. Isaiah's approach to the Lord is very different. But what we love about this is that the Lord sends an angel and takes a hot coal and touches it towards the lips of Isaiah. Now that sounds like what has just happened here? This took a wild turn in the story. What it is, it's just a symbol. If you're a man of unclean lips, well, I'm gonna purify those lips and make them clean. What he's saying, if you're a man of sin, I'm gonna cleanse you of that sin. I'm gonna be the holy God who is gonna make you holy. Now that's a big sin. We're gonna look at that next week of what it looks like for God to make us holy. But I'm here to tell you, students, this is quick and brief. Isaiah when he came to see God as holy, he saw how unholy he was. He saw how dirty he was compared to the pure and perfect God. When I was in college, I had to pick a major. And so I picked my best subject, not necessarily my favorite, but I picked my best, which was math. And I was going to be a math major. Chill, chill. I wasn't very good at reading in English, and math was my better subject. Same. Thank you very much. I, I liked math. It was fun. At least I thought I liked math until I got to college, and I took Calculus 1. And I was like, whew, all right, okay, all right, so we're really getting into it now. Yeah. 
And, and then uh, we stepped into my first day of class, my second semester. I stepped into Calculus 2. And I walked in, I looked around the room, and I immediately realized I am definitely the dumbest guy in this class. That's for sure. That's how I knew that from the get-go. I look around, and students in the room, they have their, you know, their number two pencil with their graph paper and their fancy calculator. And I mean, all the whole shebang. They're, they are real pumped for Calculus 2. And I'm walking in with my phone and a to-go cup with Chick-fil-A sweet tea. And I'm like, I don't well, I don't, yeah, well, I'm just here. You know, what do you want? My professor, he's, he's Dr. Dwiggins. That was his name, Dr. Dwiggins. And uh, he was like, are you, so are you sure? Like math, that's what you're thinking? I was like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I'm in the wrong spot too. Trust me. I walked in the first day of Calc 2 and knew I needed to change my major. And I'm telling you right now, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> I changed my major. I realized that math was not the move for me, man. It wasn't. It was not the move. I walked in the class and realized I don't belong here. These cats are out of my league. And even my professor knew it. When we walk into the presence of the Lord, there ought to be this feeling of, man, I don't belong here because God is holy and I'm a man who has sinned. But what's so good about this here is that unlike our professor who may look at us and think, man, maybe this is in the right spot, the Lord is so good to us that he meets us even in the middle of our sin and says, I will touch you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's is why we ought to approach the Lord with humility, with a low standard, where I'm like Isaiah, where I want to get on the ground and say, woe is me. But at the same time, I have the confidence to approach him because he is a loving God who forgives, who is kind to me, who is gracious, who is merciful, who is faithful. I ought to be able to be bold in approaching the Lord while remaining humble in my attitude. Does that make sense? Y'all with me there? There's a tug of war. I'm going to approach the Lord saying, woe is me, but at the same time saying, what's up, homie? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm hanging out with the Lord here. And let me tell you practically how this works out is when you go to your quiet time. Anybody do a quiet time in their normal routine at home? A couple of y'all do. Yeah, big time. When I go to do my quiet time and I get my Bible out, I'm creating a moment for me and the Lord that is holy. And I'm going to approach the Lord with humility, saying, Lord, I need you today. I need you to speak to me. I need you to give me a word from the word. Don't pass me by today. I need you to stop and spend time with me, Lord. I'm going to take my phone, and I'm going to set it to the side where I'm not looking at my notifications. I'm not getting on social media while I'm in the middle of my quiet time. I'm going to put this to the side. I'm going to close my door or I'm going to go to a spot where it's just me and the Lord because that time is holy with the Lord. And my approach to him is going to look radically different than I was just hanging out with John on the weekends. It's going to look different. When you see God as someone who is set apart and holy and unique, it ought to change the way that you think about him and it ought to change the way that you approach him. And here's the last thing, and I'll wrap it up. I'm almost done. Last thing is this. When you see God as holy, you worship him differently. When you see God as holy, you worship him differently. I'm going to show you a passage in Revelation. 
Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. And this is the throne room of the Lord. When we get to heaven, this is what it will look. Right here, guys, right here. When we get to heaven, this is what it will seem like. This is what it will be like in heaven. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, full of eyes. Man, we just talked about this a moment ago. Around and within and day and night, they do not cease to say, say it with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Say it again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. We're going to get to heaven. We're going to sing our God is holy. He is unique and he is special. And he is perfect and true. And he reigns almighty. He is the one who was, he is the one who is, and he is the one who is to come. This is my God. And when you sing a song in here, what happens when you see God is holy is it becomes so much more than just words on a screen, but it becomes something that just wells up within your soul. That last song we were just singing, we said the veil is torn. You know what I'm talking about? The gate swing wide, is that what it says? What's, what's what comes next? The door swing wide? I see glories. I run inside. It's a moment when I get to heaven and I'm just seeing like, yes, the veil is torn. The doors swing wide. I can't help but sing it. I can't help but praise the Lord. When you see the Lord as unique and special and perfect and different, it will change the way you, as a sixth grader, a seventh grader, an eighth grader, will change the way you think about him when you wake up in the morning. It'll change the way you approach him when you open the Bible, when you come to church, when you pray, it's gonna change the way you do those things. And then finally, it'll change the way you sing his praises. When you say, my God is holy, holy, holy. The Lord God Almighty, he is my rock. There is none like him. He is my God.